Japanese Labor Prison is the name of this podcast, this project, I would rather call it, really, in order to just record my personal account of being sent to Japanese Labor Prison. However, this project will go a little further than that, and it will go into my history and why I was there. And then I suppose my relationship with Japan will be the main beginning of the story because it starts off when I was two years old. We won't get into the, the Japanese labor prison for a while, but there's going to be build up as to why uh, I've been going to Japan all my life and how we got there. And I appreciate you guys listening, tuning in, and uh, feeding, giving me feedback. I did a podcast before. This is a personal project. I won't plug the other one, but, you know, there's a story that I want to uh, put out there. So this will be a little personal project. I don't know how fast I'll finish it. I'm going to try to finish it kind of fast. I don't know how to publish anything. So coming back to Anchor, I'm going to build it on here. And I hope you guys enjoy it. It's a pretty crazy story. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm no longer allowed in Japan because of this story. So... Just stick with me, bear with me through the uh, the history of it as to why I was in Japan, how I got there. Basically, my father's military ended up there. I've been going there all my life. He still lives there to this day. His uh, his relationship with Japan is fine. It it was uh it, he's part of the, he's key part of this story. And then I'm gonna go into just history of everything where I was going back and forth why I got to Japan how long I've been going to Japan I've loved Japan Japan is a great place it's a shame that I'm not allowed there anymore all right enjoy the show Fortunato was conceived by two military people they were both in the air force a young couple we had uh they called them Kermit they called him Kermit and they called her Miss Piggy because she had one of those like her her nose kind of stuck up a little bit like she's naturally stuck up a little bit so she uh these two these two met let's talk about them a little bit Carmen which is who they called Kermit Carmen Lewis Tassoni he's uh his family's from the east coast Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Pennsylvania is where he spent a lot of his time before joining the Air Force, and uh, that's where he met Leslie Lee Lindsay. Those two fell in love, and they made uh, they made Fortunato there. Now, uh, they met on the Air Force Base, up there, McGuire Air Force Base. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they were probably having a little bit of fun, maybe some drinking. You know, they weren't smoking nothing back then. They were in the military, so they probably weren't smoking. I mean, I, I know he smoked cigarettes, she smoked cigarettes, so they definitely smoked cigarettes, but... They weren't smoking the weeds. They're in the Air Force, too, so they're smart. They don't usually let dumbasses in the Air Force. However, join the military. It's got its benefits. If you're going to join a branch, the Air Force is actually not the worst branch to join from what I've seen. Now, Fortunato was not born in New Jersey. His mother, <laughs> his mother, Leslie, she's not from the East Coast. She is from Mississippi. Gulfport, Mississippi. And she already knows that there's absolutely 
an Air Force base in Biloxi, Mississippi. Biloxi, Mississippi is a city right next to it. Biloxi, it's a weird word. A lot of people don't know that. But Mississippi is also an Indian word. But Biloxi is an Indian word too. And um, I don't know. But that's where they have an Air Force base. Essentially, uh, Fortunato's mom did not want to have a Yankee baby. That was her whole deal. She didn't want to have no Yankee baby. You got to remember, she's a Southern Belle. She's a beautiful one, and she's from a nice family down there, and they weren't too keen on what them carpetbaggers are doing when they come down there and try to rebuild everything that they burnt down themselves. So there's a lot, there's a deep hatred down there still residing for the people that they uh, fought, you know, in the Civil War, and like it's still deep a little bit. I don't think it's really deep now, but like Grandpa and Grandma and then my mom, Apparently, she wasn't having it either. She did not appreciate the fact that my dad was from the North, and she let him have it a lot. But, you know, couples have their things, and they talk shit, and they work for whatever reason they work for. Um, the military had a different idea of this, though. She, they, they told her, you committed four years to being in the Air Force, and this is where we want you for your training. You're not going to get out of it. You're going to stay right here. You're going to be based here. And uh, we're going to send you somewhere else. She told him, um, no thank you, and retired. Because if you're pregnant, you can retire. So she retired. Excuse me, I had to take a little sip of water. But she retired and went down to Mississippi. And my father followed. And and then since it went down like that, he did pull off getting... um, Based down there. However, they had plans for him too. She retired. She went home to Mississippi and uh, like they got married, and they had a house down there and right there in Gulfport. He was working at the Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, and it was right next to each other. So that all that always worked out well for him there, I guess. But they they ended up uh, not not working out themselves. Mom and dad were were not getting along. And then he also got uh, stationed to Japan, and he left. And um, we we were uh, no longer living in that house for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't paying for it no more, so she had to get a different place. But I, I understood it was a family house, but I don't know. They sold it. I guess they sold that house. But my dad went to Japan, and then he came back, and uh, I remember he had a he had a rental car and he pulled up in it and he was, he he tricked me. He he tricked me. He made me think that he was magic, but he was just rolling up the windows with the power button. And he said, no hands, no hands. And he was using one other hand. But, you know, I was two and a half. I was a stupid child. That's like one of the weirdest memories. Like, it's like a memory I've thought back on a lot. And... I think I just remember remembering it more than anything, but I just remember him coming to get me in that car and me being happy to leave because where we were living was just like a like a dirt lot with a with an apartment complex on it, like a little bitty apartment too. They weren't nothing pretty. I was more than happy to leave. I was happy to see my father, I'm sure. And then uh, he took me to Japan. Now, I think he told my mom he's going to take me to Japan for like six months or whatever, but <laughs> that dude took me to Japan and he kept me there 
Boy, he kept me there almost six years. Like, I didn't come back till I was eight. Now, this is where, you know, life completely flips upside down for Fortunato in this in this story. He was born on the bayou in Biloxi. That base is right there on the on the swamps and stuff. So that is not a lot. That's he was really that born on the bayou song gets to me sometimes because I don't live there anymore. I miss Biloxi actually. I miss Biloxi a lot. Now he uh he comes gets me in that rental car and he flies me over to Japan. This is the first time I went to Japan was I was two and a half Flew over there and then stayed there for a long time. Now, vaguely, I can I, I still remember a whole lot of these memories from back then. But real real quick, my my sister was born. It was, it was fairly quick. And then we can, you know, we can look at our birth dates and see that uh, it wasn't long after I showed up that she was born. And I think I was almost three whenever she was born. And, uh... We we grew up together. Base her mother lived off base. My dad lived off base too. Notico is my stepmom's name, but she never she never got rid of her apartment. Like she always she would come to our house and stuff and stay at my apartment my dad's apartment and once Toshiko was born she was always there. But daytime, like whenever dad would go to work and I was a kid, I was a little Japanese kid. We lived off base. We walked all the stores off base. There was a little blonde-headed kid walking this Japanese lady everywhere. And then uh, she just talked to me in Japanese, nothing, nothing but. And uh, it wasn't long before I was speaking Japanese. And before I left Japan, I was absolutely fluent in Japanese. Like, I remember uh, all kinds of stories about how I just shocked people or whatever. And, like, I, would, I remember just speaking Japanese, like, just fluent as day. I'd be anywhere and everywhere in Japan having a good time. I had little Japanese friends. At first, at first, they did not accept me. Like, I would walk up to, like, literal sandbox. Like, there was an actual sandbox, and um, these Japanese boys were there. We were, I don't know, I was probably three, something like that. We just moved in this new apartment, and I was like, I'm going to go check it out. In my little kid head, I'm going to walk up to these kids, I'm going to play with them. My Japanese was not there yet. They started talking words, and I didn't know what they were saying. And uh, they weren't the nicest of people. I might have got pushed one time, but nothing crazy. Those kids are just, you know, kids are rough, though. Kids do not care. Kids are crazy, crazy. But, you know, Japanese people in general are fairly nice. But kids are a little rude, you know. You're in our sandbox. Beat it. Get out of here. You're not our friend. We're not kicking it with you, white guy. But they did call me a gaijin. Which is essentially the 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 end bomb over there, but it's just for foreigners, so it's not like it doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same hit as that, but it's basically you're a foreigner guy kokujin guy kokujin that's uh basically foreigner is what the gene guy koku is is foreign and then gene part that makes it a person so it's foreigner foreign person mm. And uh, some people ask me a lot whenever I tell them a story about when I was living in Japan from two to two to eight, pretty much. Do you still speak Japanese? And the answer is yes. Fortunato to Sony the second, with the Italian name, has a country voice, and he speaks Japanese. Hontoni nihongo wakatteru yo. 
一二三四五六七八九十十一十二十三。You can keep going on and on, like the song that never ends. Shaku, sent, just keeps going. But the Japanese language is gnarly. Um, one one crazy thing about their alphabet is there's three. They have three alphabets, and from my understanding, this is how the how the breakdown happened. So their first writing, the first alphabet they ever had, was brought over by the Buddhist to from China, and that's why they have kanji, which is their Chinese writing. And they don't sound the same. People ask that they are completely different. A lot of the a lot of the characters mean the same thing, but they definitely make different sounds. But then they combine them in different ways, and that is a completely different way. Because Chinese is nothing but kanji, and their writing is nothing but kanji. Japanese, if you go reading through their kanji, like in a newspaper, you're gonna see three different alphabets. You're gonna see one kanji, and then you're gonna see hiragana, and then you're gonna see katakana. Hiragana. The the story I think I could be wrong, but I think it's something to do with uh, secretive because the women came up with I think the women came up with, uh, hiragana, and it could have been for their little secret haikus or whatever they might you know they didn't but the men didn't want to teach the women this part I know the men didn't want to teach the women how to read and write that's you know that's typical of male males through history trying to hold women back and he's calm down let these ladies build up. Me hold no ladies down like that, but uh, they came up with their own forty six characters. They they got forty six characters in this alphabet. Kanji's already got way too many, so like I don't even think they're even worried about keeping it simple. They're like, okay, we're gonna make forty six characters, all phonetics. Boom, a i u e o, kaki kuke ko, sashi suse so, nani nune no, hahi hu he ho. I might have skipped tachi tsu teto. Either way, there's uh they got forty six of those. Some of those you can add a ten ten to it, like if it's ha, like for the ha he who he ho line, it turns into bobby boobay bo. If you do ten ten, and if you do a little bitty circle, it turns into poppy poopay po, which is uh, it's just a little, it turns into a p, poppy poopay po, and it's just literally the same character, just has a little circle next to it, and that's hiragana. Well, I mean, there's there's other rules that that happen, but that that's got nothing to do with the story. But the last one, uh. Katakana is for foreign words. So whenever, like the the Portuguese showed up and they started talking all these weird words and showing them new things like bread and and you know they had names and stuff and like they already had the two alphabets but they went with the phonetics that the women had come up with and they mimicked that but with completely different characters and kind of a different style actually is is. Very basic. It's not as cool as kanji, that's for sure. It's very basic, but it's for foreign words, foreign names. McDonald's, that's one of my favorite words, is makadonadudo. Eh? Makadonadudo. That's McDonald's. That's how you say McDonald's. Makadonadudo. But life, you know, that was a big change from America, from the South, to being in Japan. And as a child... I would, you know, see the, the writing and stuff, but my stepmom, she's like, okay, there's a stop sign, tomato, I mean, that was a very basic kanji, like, I definitely hadn't even forgot that one, I bet you I could write that out right now, bam, 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 stop, yep, I can see that, but that's, that's one of the basics, you're gonna see that one everywhere, and then, you know, entrance, <laughs> entrance is funny, 
Because uh, Iriguchi, Iriguchi is entrance. And uh, basically, but the, there's the funny part about it, the Gucci part, is uh, the, the kanji for Gucci is a box. But whenever it doesn't have the Iri in front of it, like the entrance, it's just Gucci. But it's really, it spells coochie, like it's for coochie. It's not coochie like you're thinking. Don't be getting dirty-minded. But uh, you can't absolutely have fun with languages, and this is one of the fun ones. Because it means mouth. <laughs> so the entrance to the mouth, the exit. So they have a dead Gucci, Edie Gucci, dead Gucci. But they both have this box kanji for the Gucci part. And without the Edie part, it's just coochie. It's just a box, and it's coochie. So, you know, you can see that as, a, you know, it's kind of funny little connection there if you wanted to. I like to, I like to tell people they got a hairy coochie sometimes because whenever they have a beard, they have a hair, they have a hairy mouth. So you have a hairy coochie. And that's just my little joke. That's just a little Fortunato joke for you. Um, there's all kinds of funny stuff about the Japanese language. They're like, kisumiyasu. It's like, this morning, every morning, kisumiyasu. And there's a whole bunch more. I probably should have been prepared for this and wrote down a bunch of them. But we're not talk. We're not here to talk about the Japanese language in depth. We're here to talk about the story. Fortunato have this recorded, and hopefully help me write this book one day. I'll just kind of make it get like a get a format going, but I definitely drift off. So, yeah, dad came back. He broke up with my mom. He already had, like, a plan. He, was, he had Miss Notico, uh, my stepmom, lined up. And then we, we she had Toshiko, my sister. And then the shoes take us everywhere, man. She'd take me all around Tokyo. We lived in Fusa. We didn't live in, in Tokyo, but it's it's basically Tokyo. And we're in the out, 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 like a ways out. But Tokyo is so big, they consider that part of Tokyo, but it's really, I don't think so, but we would go to Tachikawa a lot, which is all considered Tokyo as well, but Tachikawa is probably the biggest city that we had, or at least the biggest train station, because they're all big cities, but the biggest train station, we'd go up there, just hop on the train and go to Tachikawa, and then we'd walk around there, but she'd take me to the, she'd take me downtown to Tokyo too, we'd go to like the top you know, the tallest buildings, they got a little, you go view out, like if you're in New York, you see just buildings forever, it's insane, Tokyo is a busy place, I've been to all kinds of different places in Tokyo, the food, oh my god, I mean, Notico cooked most of our meals, because, you know, we were at home, and Japanese don't waste nothing, and she was a new mom, and she had a new kid to take care of, she did a really good job by me, though, she, she, she taught me Japanese, and she taught me to be a really good person. She's probably one of the strongest people I've ever known in my life. Noriko, Noriko Muriyama. She's no longer with us now. She's passed. She got she got the lung cancer. Cause a lot of the a lot of a lot of places in Japan, especially I mean back then it was here too, but you know you could smoke everywhere. But here I remember whenever I was like thirteen, you couldn't smoke in the mall anymore, nothing like that. But you used to be able to. You used to be able to smoke all up in that mall. That's crazy to think about now. I think way back then, just people walking through malls and shit, just <laughs> just <laughs> smoking cigarettes, stinking up the whole mall, stinking up every piece of clothing. 
I can't even imagine having a store there and then like people just walking by blowing smoke in my in my store trying to come in my Spencers and steal necklaces and stuff little brats but yeah Mississippi is completely different from Japan Japan's completely different from anywhere else I've I've ever been like you go to Europe and you know you're somewhere else but like the people are kind of similar looking to you you're like oh okay you see the architecture you're like, okay that's different it's badass but in Japan you know from the grass on the ground the trees the bushes everything is different you definitely know you're not at home you're out of there and this is where my childhood was now and then eventually I became I became old enough to go to daycare and then you go to you know like preschool and then I started school on base I started preschool on base I went to I went to uh once I was going to a uh a daycare on base like you'd go to daycare and they like dad he'd have to work late sometimes like Nodico couldn't always have me and then I needed to be there to learn because he wanted me to be learning English too because he was really mad he actually would get mad whenever we speak Japanese in the house when he was there he'd be like English only and like she would only speak Japanese to me until he'd come around like and I think that I thank her for that thank her for that like just all, all kinds of days when I watch something I think it's really cool that I can understand Japanese or I'd go to a Japanese restaurant and I can order everything in Japanese and the person looks at me crazy. I'm like, where did you learn Japanese in Japan as a child? Kodomo no toki nihon ni sunde masta dakara. When I lived in Japan, I learned Japanese. And I've been back all my life, but we will get into that. There is more stories about Japan. We're just We're just kind of setting the tone for why Fortunato knows Japanese kind of a crazy just story just being a child in Japan it was nuts I was just floating around with Japanese kids everywhere I'd go to Japanese parks these kids I got lost in Tokyo a bunch of times when I was a kid but like it was so safe and like they kind of knew exactly who I was, it was the, the little white kid All the there's like a police box they, I got lost and I, I walked up to the police station I, was like, I don't know where I'm at and they're like oh, we know where you live and they called my dad and he showed up in his car and they already knew what was up <clears throat> so that was really cool like uh the society there <clears throat> is amazing your kids can totally be safe over there they can be running around i remember having this one one friend he had his kids and they, they never cared well they didn't care whenever we were running around either <clears throat> and like we got kicked out even whenever i was here in america they'd kick us out Get out of the house. We don't need you in here. We don't want you in here. It was also really hot. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't want anybody blowing out your AC. So it was an in or out, in or out. Japan was really hot too. And in the summers, they have real winters. They definitely have real winters. It gets cold in the winter and it's hot in the summer. But they did build themselves a good society. Um, some would say they're born snitches. They will, you know, they'll snitch on you. If you're breaking the law, somebody will tell the cops, but, hey, this person is up to no good. Um, and they've kind of beat down the, the Yakuza from what it was. They don't have, they're not the big money markets that they were. They're, at least they're not as open 
they have to be a little more underground and then uh the cops stay on them pretty good i met quite a few of those guys too you know there's typically all right guys but a lot of them they are gnarly and they know that they don't care they don't care about much but there are they are a small few usually the japanese person will consider you know their actions and they'll they'll understand that their actions affect others and that's one thing i think americans could really take from that is that your actions really do affect others your words they might not hurt but they do have power and they shouldn't hurt you but some people get hurt. You say something, and it hurts their heart. That's a, it's a weird balancing act everybody's in right now, acting like they need to be woke. Uh, just just be nice to your, your man, and then just understand your fellow man. Just be just be understanding that they're going through things, too. Life is hard, and we're all just trying to work, you know, take care of our family. So the main thing you want to do is keep keep your people happy and fed and clothed and you know maybe have some nice things or whatever. But in Japan, they all they're all about having nice things too. Everybody's got to have the new tech stuff. A lot of the times they're gonna have it. Uh, you can't have a car for too long on the road either. They want you to swap that thing out. Better get that thing off the road. It's not efficient anymore. But you know, doodads, rice cookers, all kinds of stuff. Like they have definitely the tech stuff covered bro they they're pretty funny they uh they really do have some cool shit they don't really hold back either like as soon as it's like ready to be sold they're selling it they like we we market stuff for like two years before we like release some stuff oh we need a playstation man the kid's birthday's coming up uh, anyway life in japan was crazy as a child the only thing that I remember, though, was being called gaijin, baka gaijin, which is foreigner. But I took it. I didn't care. It's like, whatever. We'll have, we'll just, I'll be gaijin. I don't care. I know, I know grown people that got gaijin tattooed on them because it's funny. Like, we're not, we're not even going to take it harshly like that. But Toshiko, being my little sister, she was a baby the whole time I was there. And then I left whenever I was eight and she was... And probably three or four or something like that. And she knew I was there all the time. And then all of a sudden I was gone. And me and her have a really good relationship even to this day. I went and saw her for uh, Thanksgiving. Toshiko. Toshiko Muriyama Tasoni. But Toshiko, she's just the cutest little thing. Like, she's the cutest little thing. Uh, we had her and then me, my little bubbly self, blonde-headed kid speaking Japanese and Nodoko. Floating around Tokyo. My first uh, Disneyland experience. They have a Tokyo Disneyland. I think we went there every year. For a while. You know. Until I left or whatever. But definitely. Tokyo Disneyland is nice. And you know what? It's better than this California one. The one here in California. You go up to the ride. Well back whenever you could go anyway. You go up to the ride. And uh, you kind of feel like these people just shoving you along. Like I right, just come get in. Get in. Let's go. In Japan, man, you're getting the best service ever. These these guys and girls are working their tails off to make you feel like, you know, you matter and you're ha- and like they want you to be happy. These people are super bubbly, but they probably they I know they're not happy. They're just you know putting on the show, but the effort is there, and I appreciate it. 
I appreciate the effort, Japanese people. Thanks, Japanese people. Why, Japanese people? You don't. If you haven't seen that guy, he's hilarious. If you're learning Japanese, that's one, one good thing to do. But uh, Nodoka would take me everywhere with her that she could, I guess, and then just speak Japanese to me, point it out, but yeah, this this sign says this, what are they saying on the subway whenever like they have an announcement and stuff. And by the time I left there, I was fluent in Japanese. There's this one story my dad would tell me about. Uh, my uncle my uncle got shot in Pittsburgh. He got shot and killed my uncle Rocco. But we flew back for his funeral and I think I was four. And some Japanese lady was having a lot of trouble and basically like they they uh, asked people in the on the plane, is there anybody that can translate Japanese to English? And nobody answered. And then my dad was uh just sitting there, and he's like, oh, yeah, my kid, bro, my kid, he can do it, and I guess I, walk, I like, I walk, they walked me up to the lady, and I asked her what was wrong, and I translated what she needed, they got her what she needed, I saved four-year-old Fortunato, four-year-old Fortunato saved that Japanese lady's life, thank that man, that was, uh, it was a little heroic moment for knowing Japanese, he, and then we went and saw my uncle, and it was, well, we didn't see him. It was a closed, closed casket. It was a uh, like Italian mafia thing, Pittsburgh stuff. So it was actually not cool, not cool at all. He got murdered, stripped naked, put on the railroad tracks, and and he got hit by a train. He was murdered. It was bad. It was all bad. They never found who did it. My aunt is like. She used to always try to hunt down the case, but, like, it's mobsters. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, and then they were all in it. Like, he, I guess, like, he might have messed with the wrong mobster's wife or something. I think they're getting it in, you know, hiding the salami. But, uh, yeah, he was a good guy, man. I remember, I remembered him whenever it happened. I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of pictures uh, I almost named my son after him, but uh, like him, like me, my son got the name Fortunato. Fortunato was not supposed to be my name. Fortunato was supposed to, I was supposed to be Michael, but the original Fortunato, because I'm Fortunato to Sony the second, the original Fortunato was uh, from Italy. That man came over after World War One to uh, basically settle in Chicago. He went through Ellis Island and all that stuff. And uh, they looked at his name, Fortunato. They nah, you're Frank. And so that's that's his nickname. But that man, he lived in 72. He he worked in Chicago. And he floated around around the whole country, really. But uh, when he was there, he, had, he was there during Prohibition. He, he kind of helped Al Capone move some blues. Now, there's history, there's stories of him having a picture with him. I haven't seen this picture. I haven't seen it. If I ever saw it, I'd, 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 I'd be pretty fucking stoked about it. That'd be pretty cool. See Fortunato number one with, with Al Capone there. A little gnarly history there, but, uh, you know, that's not what this podcast is about. But that man died. Fortunato the first died two weeks before I was born. I was supposed to be named Michael. But I think we just hadn't named a lot of kids Fortunato. 
I know that I have one cousin at least that's named Fortunato, maybe an uncle, but uh, a lot of Uncle Frankies out there. But uh, yeah, he died two weeks before I was born, so they gave me his name instead of Michael, and I can't be I couldn't be any happier about it. I love uh, being called Fortunato. Oh, when I came back to America when I was eight. Which is uh kind of where we're gonna wrap up this this episode pretty soon, not right now, but I did want it to be about thirty minutes, so I see right now that's the thirty minute marker, but uh whenever I got to Mississippi when i was uh I was seven, I turned eight not long after I got there, but actually, I didn't even get to Mississippi. I got to Pittsburgh. My dad dropped me off in Pittsburgh with my aunt Mary Grace, and I hung out there for like three months until my mom found me because she called my my uh, aunt phil i was at my aunt phil's house whenever uh my mom called and i picked up the phone and she's like who is this but before i jump to that part because that's kind of uh that's a tearjerker there my 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 father he takes me to pittsburgh drops me off in my aunt's house he flies back to to japan to be with noriko and my sister toshiko and they just kind of I kind of, I felt abandoned, bro. I was, I cried, I cried my eyes out, man. I was, I was, uh, I was in them feels. I was feeling some type of way, you might say. And then, uh, yeah, they gave me a cot to sleep on in between my, my two cousins. And like my cousin, Chris, he had like the, the race car bed. And then Vicky, she had the, she had like the princess bed. And I'm on a green military cot. I'm like, what the fudge is going on here? But uh, I slept there for about three months, and then my mom did call Aunt Phil. I picked up the phone. It was just before Christmas, so I think she was just kind of calling to talk to my aunt. And then she's like, who is this? And I told her my name. She's like, Frank, what? And she basically put your aunt on the phone. And I did, and then about a week later, we go over to the Amtrak station, and uh, I'm pretty sure they had to have told me what was happening, but... I saw this lady step off the train, and I knew exactly who that lady was. I haven't seen her in five years or something like that, almost six, and uh, I knew exactly who my mom was. I ran to that lady, I hugged her so hard, she knew who I was, and like, was, she's like, how'd you know it was me? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, I just knew. I hadn't seen her face in so long, and that really breaks my heart to think that I, dad kept me from her for that that long because I didn't talk to her on the phone. I didn't get a birthday card. He tried to wipe her all the way out, and then he tried to hide me up in Pittsburgh. That was a crazy moment. And then she took me down to uh down to Mississippi for the second half of of uh. It was the second grade. I got a little choked up there. I miss my mama. She, my mom, both of my moms, because Nodico, I consider her mom too. She died from lung cancer, and then my, my, birth mother, my mother Leslie, she she died from lung cancer the same year. They both died the very same year. It was very sad for me and Toshiko. Uh, it's hard. I don't know. It's crazy. I miss her. I miss both of them so much. Uh, they're both very important in my life, and they will be in the stories. This is. The first entry into it, and we basically got till Fortunato's eight, and then the next the next episode is gonna be about the life, just kind of in 
in uh just living on the swamps like all the things we did we did all kinds of crazy stuff definitely interesting things there's gonna be a good part of the story there is a part where i got hit in the head with a hammer uh earned it by a red-headed boy from texas we uh we did some wild stuff but yeah i i, I ended up going back down to mississippi and we're living on a uh you know, we're living on at a trailer park right on the bayou, right on it. Like, she lived on in a 300 trailer trailer park, rednecks everywhere, or what? they can't even be hillbillies, it's too flat. But all right, we're going to get into the life on the swamps with catching alligators, putting them in our little canoes, baby alligators, pets, putting a rope on them and walking them around till mama croaks and you just got to throw them back. But I intend to finish this in eight episodes, and then me and my son can look back on the times, and then I'm on the eighth episode, I'm gonna pass this whole torch to him, because it'll be his. It'll be his after that. It'll be the ballad of Fortunato continues. Thank you for listening. I hope this brings some type of entertainment to your day. I don't think it's informative at all. But if you like stories, this is the build up, the base to a great story. Thank you for listening. All love.